Good morning, I'm Karen Audubonny, and if all my buttons are pursed correctly, I think I have Matt Kendall with me. Matt, are you there? I am, I am. Can you hear me well? I can hear you well, and if not, I'll just crank up the dials. So, Matt Kendall has not been on the air with me for a while, and since he's been a newly elected sheriff for Mendocino County, he was appointed uh, for the last... um, Time he was the sheriff for three years, but now he had to run an election and actually get elected. So, Matt, welcome to the air. And how was that whole election thing as a first timer? <laughs> well, filling out the paperwork and doing all that was not a lot of fun. Um, but um, you know, it it wasn't any different than just doing my job on a daily basis. Okay. Um, did you have to get like a campaign committee and people to you know spend a lot of money on advertising? I didn't see that there was a lot of advertising for any of the elections this uh, primary. So how was that? Was it costly and all that good stuff? No, I uh, ran off my own pocket. I didn't take any donations um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it cost me a couple of thousand dollars. Um and uh, to file my paperwork, and uh, the only advertising I did is I did about one hundred and fifty dollars worth of radio ads, just thanking the uh, public for supporting my deputies and, and for supporting me as well. And you know, it, I see all these things that go on across the nation, and it makes me really, really proud to be in Mendocino County, where I get phone calls, I get emails, letters mailed to me, uh, a lot of them from right over here in Anderson Valley, um, and they're telling me about the good job that these deputies are doing for their communities. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to break my, my arm patting myself on the back for it, but that's not me. That's these deputies. And we've hired a lot of the right people who have the right mindset to serve and that's to serve the public, not themselves. Great. Yeah, it was an interesting uh, primary election. Um, I will just mention, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to give a lot of time, there was a last-minute write-in candidate that ended up getting a little less than 13% of the vote, um, which was an official write-in, but it was at the very last, so I think the outcome and the results were not unexpected by the majority of us in the county that follow these kinds of things. So congratulations, and you've got four more years to uh, be in charge of what goes on in Mendocino for the Sheriff's Department. So um, one of the things I did want to catch up with you, because we've talked about it in the past, and it is my kind of genre, is the budget. Um, We just went through the budget uh, hearings and budget uh, workshops and all of that. The budget was approved. Um, Just to give everybody a quick rehab of the way government works, Mendocino County, our budget runs from July 1st, of this year to June 30th or 31st of next year so it's a July to June budget it's not an annual it's not a it doesn't go by the calendar that type of thing so we just got codified for this coming year's budget um last year the budget process was gruesome uh to say the least how was it for you this year Matt how'd it go and what are the numbers and are we gonna have Okay. Are you going to be okay? I'm sorry. What? Can you can you hear me? We've yeah. got some little computer glitch here. A little reverb, uh, but you're okay. Budget went well this year, but yeah. <laughs> the the issue for me was that my undersheriff um, normally deals with the budgets, 
and uh, he was out uh, recovering from a surgery. And I haven't done the budgets in three years since I was the undersheriff. And if you aren't involved in that progression as it moves forward, then you have to jump in early and you've got to get yourself briefed up and ready to go. And I got to tell you, uh, with all the changes in legislation and everything else, it was a steep learning curve for me to do the budget again. And it's only been three years since I did it. And so I was tied up literally for about 90 to 100 days doing a lot of the budgeting with my fiscal team. So how does it look? I know there was a big thing last budget cycle last year about the overtime, which really triggered me because there's always been overtime in that office. Whether you've been there, I don't care who's been the sheriff, there's always been overtime and they didn't budget enough for it and they were going to send you as the department head a bill and it was it was just a really, I don't even know what to say it was, but it was a mess. We didn't go through that mess this year, right? Did you get a good substantial overtime budget so you're not going to be over budget by the end of the year did that at least happen yes yes we did and uh people say that the sheriff runs under budget but the fact that the sheriff has been underfunded and when you look at if your electric bill comes in you know every month at 280 dollars but you budget um you know 210, it's pretty easy to figure out that your budget is off. Um, and we have been somewhere between 1.1 and 1.4 million underfunded for decades. Um, I, I think that's a pretty close number to what we've been underfunded. But uh, this year, um, we've got our funding in place. Now, we don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you how many homicides we're going to have. I can't tell you how many those types of things are going to go on, but people don't commit crimes on bankers' hours. True. So True. when we have a homicide at midnight, I, I don't have people working at, at midnight in my detective bureau. So, you know, that costs overtime. Hey, Matt, listen, we're having breakup problems with your PC. Um, so if you turn off your video, I'm going to turn off my video, and we know what each other looks like. Let's see if that cleans it up a bit better. How's that? If you can just turn your video off. Sounds good. Okay. That, let's see if that goes forward. All right, so yes, overtime thing has always been, to me, you don't know how many deaths you're going to have. You don't know how many coroners issues. I mean, you can't, you have to be there ready to go when the need arises, and that's nothing that you can budget. So I'm glad to hear that that part got resolved, because for me, it's always been, it's not a non-issue. It is an issue, but it's not a controllable issue. How's that? Yeah. Okay, there we go with that. So the overtime issue got pretty much done. Um, staffing, that was, this is, um, there was a Board of Supervisors meeting yesterday, folks. I did stream it. Um, a big part of the uh, public uh, statements was from SEIU workers talking about the underfunding or the lack of fulfilling mandated positions. Um, how are you doing in the Sheriff's Department? I saw just recently posted that you've had some really good hires. So how's that going? We have. We've had some very good hires for our patrol division. Uh, we're, our numbers are coming up um, but it takes a while to get a person hired. We have an expensive background, a polygraph, a, a psychological evaluation, all of those things. Where we're suffering the most is over in the custody side of things. Um, those deputies working over in the jail. And, you know, it's not 
any different than what's going on in the rest of the state of California and the rest of the United States. Um, believe it or not, police forces across the United States, I saw a statistic a while back that said, I believe the number was 84% of all police forces are down on uh, personnel. And But I've also been to restaurants where they're closing at two in the afternoon because they can't hire uh, waitresses. So this is not in construction companies. Um, everybody is hurting for personnel right now. Very true. Very true. But um, you just had, did you have like, did I see two recent hires, young guys that graduated or was there more than that? We I had I uh, actually two from the, Police Academy in Santa Rosa, one from the Police Academy in Eureka, um, and uh, we hired a corrections officer out of Laytonville. Um, and, you know, a couple of young fellas who uh, I knew their grandfathers, um, and they're uh, they're members of the uh, Wailaki tribe out of Kovalo. And I, you know, I worked for their grandfathers when I was younger, um, and it was it was really kind of neat to be able to hire these young men. I, we're representing the Round Valley Indian tribes real well right now with a lot of our hirings. Oh, good. Well, I I will say, as I've gotten older and been in the county for 40-odd years, um, I'm seeing a lot of the young people go out, explore the world, the rest of the country, and then they come back to our communities to be part of it. Um, so I think that's really great to hear. I hope the, the more outreach you do, we can get some of these young people to come back and be part of the community. Let me just take a minute to say, uh, uh, this is Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. My guest today is Matt Kendall. We are going to be opening up the lines so you can talk to our sheriff, get your concerns, comments, um, all that good stuff out. I'll probably open up a little bit after the half an hour, maybe um, 930 or so. So get ready with your calls if you'd like. Um, so Matt, the number, you're still, you're still short employees. Weren't you down like 24 last time I talked to you? So you're still, yes, you're st- and, and that's between injuries, retirement, stuff like that. Um, we've got, we've had some people out on long-term injury and some folks that have had some medical issues that you probably usually just don't come back from some heart yeah. issues, some, some major joint issues, you know, knees and things like that. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of a common occurrence nowadays too. But um, where are no, as our numbers come back up, um, I, I believe one of the biggest things that we did was we, we took a sergeant um, who grew up in the Laytonville area and said, we need you to take 90 days and just recruit for us. And he went to police academies. He went to job fairs. He went all over the place. And he did an excellent job. And that's one of the reasons why our numbers are coming up at such a rapid pace now. We've got some hills to climb with county HR. Um, because HR is understaffed right now. And so it's taking them a long time to get their work done. And so it's not just the sheriff's office. It's other departments in the county that are that are down. Probation is down. Um, the, the county road crews are down. Everybody is down personnel. 
That's what I'm hearing. And yeah, I'm hearing that a lot of the staffing throughout, not just in one department, but throughout different departments um, is really being effective. That's a whole nother show. One of the ones that has got me really concerned is the tax collector's office is so underfunded. And if we don't get that tax money or the money's coming in, how are we going to keep going? But that's a whole nother topic. Um Okay, so we've got, we're still down in, on, on personnel, but how are we doing with, and I'm just saying this because I'm in Anderson Valley and you know me well, uh, how are we doing on getting reput- re, um, resident deputies into some of these communities? I know Covalos, you've gotten resident deputies up there. Um, are, there are, are there any prospects coming down the pike where we can get more resident deputies? Well, as our numbers come up, Okay. We should be able to get some resident deputies out there. But Covalo and the South Coast, um, I have some pretty big bonuses for. The issue is we can't put people into those posts unless they are really well-trained and experienced people. We're not going to put somebody who's brand new into a tough post because that doesn't serve the public and it doesn't serve that deputy and it certainly doesn't serve me. Right. Now, Anderson Valley, Potter Valley, um, you know, our response times over here are, you know, somewhere between, I would say, 18 and 25 minutes. There's about a seven-minute swing when you look. And that depends on if, um, you know, a deputy is close to Highway 253 when a call comes out. However, the South Coast and Covalo are 45 minutes to an hour and 15, depending on where they're at. And so those are going to be the two places who... I'm sorry, they have got to have the first pick. Um, But some of these other areas, Potter Valley, we've got a resident there because Potter Valley is a beautiful and wonderful place to live. Anderson Valley is a beautiful and wonderful place to live. Um, So we get takers on those sooner than what we will for Covalo and and the South Coast. And so that's why we had to put those bonuses in for Covalo and the South Coast, because if people had a choice, they would immediately come to the um, closer areas than going way out into the corners. Now, one of the things that we've done to kind of combat that issue is my lieutenants are filling the corners before they fill the main portions. So when deputies come on shift, Lieutenant Comer on the coast, he fills the south coast immediately with that patrol shift. And then, you know, the areas around Fort Bragg and Mendocino where we have uh, coverage from the highway patrol from uh, Fort Bragg Police Department. We can put less deputies there because they have close cover. And so we've done a really good job on the South Coast, especially of keeping a lot of patrol cars down there. And we were in a meeting the other night with uh, with the one on uh, Mac, and you know we were looking at our our calls for service. They were way down, but they were down because we've had so much patrol coverage down there. It does make a difference, I will say. I mean, a lot of stuff happens in the dark of night and, and when somebody's not looking, for sure. But mm-hmm. having a having patrols really does help, and you know that, I'm sure. So, Okay, well, yeah. that's a good catch-up about what's going on with the uh, resident deputies because that has been... It's been an issue. We haven't had one in Anderson Valley, and things have been, you know, keeping pretty, you know, calm because we all kind of know who's who. But, yeah, it can get out of control sometimes. So one of the other things I wanted to talk about is some of the there's just been some fun really positive things going on at the at the at the you know, jailhouse and at the yard there. Um I put it out on Facebook uh I think when you sent it to me the whole project with um 
the the inmates and getting with the gardens and you just got your chicken coops could you tell us what's going on with that tell the general listeners because not everybody's on facebook and i actually had kate um fagan on um a month or so ago talking about the restorative justice project that's going on there but you just got you just had a big improvement can you tell us about it well i i'm so tickled right now Every time I think about this, you know, there's things that go on in your life. Raising your children makes you proud. You know, marrying your wife makes you proud. Being with your partner makes you proud. This is one of those moments that I never thought would ever come true for me. You know, Matt Dubois from uh, Carolina Coops, if you're a chicken person and you go on to, uh, you go on the internet and you look up chicken coops, um, he is two chicken coops basically what starbucks is for a coffee drinker the guy is famous you know in meeting matt would be like a politician meeting the president of the united states and uh you know by some strange stroke of luck we partnered with the unconditional freedom project to do a lot of the gardening to do a lot of the things over there and they're just excellent incredible people and so kate's working with them um and all of a sudden they come to me and they say hey uh what are your thoughts? And I said, you know, I'm an insane chicken person. I just love chickens. Um, I've got a huge flock and I'm constantly, you know, getting eggs and doing those things. And I'd like to have chickens. Well, a couple of weeks later, they get a hold of me and said, have you ever heard of Carolina Coops? And I just about fell out of my chair. Uh, yes, I've heard of Carolina Coops. And it's like asking me if I've ever, you know, heard of President Obama. Okay. Yes, I've heard of the guy, you know, um, Anyway, uh, next thing you know, I'm on a Zoom meeting with Matt. um, And next thing you know, this pallet shows up at the Mendocino County Jail. And I'm out there working on the beehive projects with the guys, uh, the inmates over there. They're on the garden crew. And, you know, so we're all walking around it. And I'm telling them, hey, that's the chicken coop. And we were like giddy little schoolgirls for three weeks until this guy shows up. And then, you know, we opened it up. and, And Matt and I met that morning before we got everything started and Matt said, Hey, you know, you're a carpenter. I'm a carpenter. We could build this ourselves, but it's more important to let these guys build it. And so we're going to offer them. The one thing that he couldn't bring out was tools. And so I went and loaded up my trailer and got my nail guns, my air compressor, you know, all my stuff that I use to build houses. And I ran it out there and Matt gave instruction and then he and i sat back in the shade and kind of gave technical advice um i ran the saws it was you know it was a week of really hard work um but these guys just they ate it up they loved it and now we've got this gorgeous chicken coop out there and it was an investment in labor in this gardening project the garden crew has become this pinnacle these guys want to reach and we have the most best behaved gentlemen out there the entire time that they're working because they're proud of what they're doing because they're proud of you know the people that they're becoming and it was one of the biggest high points of my entire career so how big is the flock now at the at the jail I think that we've got uh, right around 20 in, uh, <laughs> I'd like to expand that a little bit, um, but we've got to do some fencing. 
and because we're going to let them free range in certain areas, but they can't get over to our vegetables. Right. Good, 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 good thing to keep them away from that. So how many of the inmates, Both it was both men and women on the video I saw, um, if you go to the sheriff's website, folks, you can actually, I think the video's there to stream. It's a YouTube video. It's just really marvelous to see these inmates. So you had both men and women inmates working on it. About how many of those people were working on the project to get out? Get About 10. 10. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a great project, folks. I got to tell you, it is so good to finally see some rehabilitation taking place on a gra- just local grassroots level and to see the thrill on the inmates' faces of them getting to learn skills, to get some self-confidence. Um, it was just really great to see. I, I know you're enthusiastic about it, and I will have to say I'm enthusiastic about it, too. So it's a, congratulations on that. It was a, It's a great project, Matt, and I just can't see it getting anything but better and more uh, grounded um, and I know if people wanted to get involved I was going to say get a hold of Kate Fagan you could, she's listed on the sheriff's website too uh, if you can think of any way you might like to get involved or I'm sure they'd be maybe looking for donations and stuff along that line so um, talking about the jail one of the big projects that's been on the county's plate and your plate is the jail expansion uh, I know we need I don't know I'm not real familiar with the uh, the details of the project. Could you just catch us up on what that's going to do, how that's going to make it either bigger and better for us in the county? Well, one of the things that it's going to wind up doing is it's going to help us serve that population that has um, behavioral health issues, um, some serious, serious behavioral health issues but also it's going to help us with uh, some of our SUDT um, some of the the drug issues that we're dealing with on a constant basis and there's going to be room for uh, counselors to come in there's going to be room for education Uh, it's set up in a modern fashion where we can get all of those things done we're currently right now to be able to do it safely we're fighting with we're fighting with 40 year old architecture that just is not serving that population. And so the big concern for me is the volatility in the market right now. The prices keep going up and well, you can see what a gallon of milk is costing now as opposed to last year. Look at an ear of corn or, uh, you know, anything that we purchase that is moved with a vehicle, the prices are going up. And, um, you know, we're going to get through it. Um, we've had to invest some of the county's money into it. We received, uh, Oh, I believe it was 18 or 19 million dollars, right at 20 million dollars to be able to start this project. Um, But we're going to have to invest some of our money into it. But it's a good leverage of our funding. And we're going to be able to better serve that that at need, that that risk group that is so great in Mendocino County. Well, the other thing I keep seeing, and this this leads me, so the, the project, you haven't broke ground on the project yet, have you? This hasn't no. started. This is starting. It's just still in the planning to stay. I guess you have a plan and design and all that. I think they're just looking to get all the, the ducks in a row before they break ground, correct? Yes. That's kind of where and, it's at. Uh, we're at the stage right now where the fire marshal is going over it, and that's pretty much the last phase. Oh, good. Okay, good to hear. Well, this kind of leads me into a topic that you and I were just talked about shortly before we got on the air, and it brings up a, one of the questions I'd, I wanted to bring or topic bring up with you, and that's the turnover in the jail. Um, when you see, when you go to the postings of who's been uh, 
charged or brought into the jail, the I don't know, the post of the people that have been picked up on different charges. I see that a lot of them is probation violation. A lot of it has to do with drugs. There's a lot of turnover of the same people. I know you see a lot of the same people coming in and out like a revolving door. So this garden project and the, you know, the working with the inmates to get them skills and get them out of this cycle, it seems like that's the, am I reading that right? Is that a lot of your jail population is repetitive turnover? Yes. And a lot of it is based on addictions. And I, and I can tell you, honestly, Karen, I sat down and I just took a sampling of inmate population on one day. And out of that sampling, I, I, I looked at the crimes that are being committed because of addiction. If we had no addictions here in Mendocino County, my jail population, and this was a one-time snapshot in time, I, looking and doing the math, I could reduce jail population by 60 percent if we had no addiction wow and what is the population i think you told me i know isn't it about 250 today i believe it was 269 i get uh, twice today briefing and the jail population comes up on it i think it was 269 today we can have up to 305 right um and, you know, we've still got COVID that comes in the front door constantly, but we've got uh, um, a module where we where we quarantine those those COVID positive inmates. But, you know, if it's in the public, it will be in the jail. Yeah, that's true. So this whole jail expansion with looking towards more mental health and counseling and spots to help with that. Um, are you anticipating, like with the restorative justice project, that this is going to help? possibly get people out of this cycle or is it just a a cycle that's really hard to break I well mean, it's a cycle that's hard to break but it's not just us doing it we've also partnered um with our probation department because what we're trying to do is to have a good firm handshake where we start them on their probation work while they're in custody because there's some legislation coming down the line that basically says a person's not going to be able to be on probation for longer than two years. Chief Locatelli from the probation department got a hold of me and said, hey, I don't know that I can get the programming and the needs taken care of in two years, so how do we work this out? And so the way that we're working it out is those folks who are sentenced to county jail, they start their probation work and they start their education and they start their drug counseling and, and anger management counseling while they're with us. Um, and then it is continued upon release and we've got to continue to make those partnerships and make those handshakes with, with, with the groups that we work with, because that's how we're going to get over this, this repetitive cycle. And all that it really is, is creating opportunities through education. And, um, you know, suddenly when they step out the door, they have a much greater opportunity than the moment they walk back in. They walked in originally, and um, I think that we are going to see some some positive outcomes on this. We already have. Wow. Well, what, that brings up something that um, I've been reading about with the courts, and that's um, with all these people that are not showing up on probation or show, showing up back in the jail because of probation issues. They didn't show up or they're violating their probations. If people don't show up and, and that, it, it, it trans, it's transportation because 
Is that becoming a big issue? I'm thinking about people that are in probation and they're out in the outer areas, in the more remote areas of the county. And we don't have, well, the only court we have is, is in Fort Bragg now and in Ukiah. So does that make it harder for probation people to actually fulfill the mandates? Some of it does. Some of it does, but, you know, um, Chief Locatelli has folks who go to Colo, has folks who work on the coast, and so their probation officers are already meeting them halfway. Okay. All right. Well, that's um, good. I was just and, was curious about that because, that I mean, the whole thing with the courts is a whole other issue i got to really start focusing on because having just two courts in the county, I remember we used to have the rural courts was so much easier. Um, one of the issues you brought up that I want to explore just a little bit more was this whole thing of the state changing the playing field all that or changing the rules in the playing field now you're saying that they're not going to be able to do probation for more than two years that's that's a big that's a big step and i'm not sure which direction um talk about just for a minute what the burden that the states are putting on you by changing the rules and the almost the playing field well it's a double-edged sword so AB 109 was the beginning of this. We've had Prop 47, Prop 57, Prop 64, where the state is gradually and slowly pushing a lot of their responsibilities off on counties. We're taking in what were state prison inmates because they keep changing the rules and saying, well, now they can go to county jail. Um, and a lot of the issue that I'm seeing there is they're doing these things and not funding us to deal with it. And But the flip side of the coin is, and we've got to look at both sides of this. I think that we do a better job locally with some of these programs that we're doing than what the state was doing. And the reason is when a person is released back into their home county, if we haven't set up um, a support network through education of, of these folks, then they're just kind of dropped on a street corner and, you know, they fall out of the sky and here they are. They go back to what they know. And so I think a lot of the work that we have to do in this county is really incumbent upon us to make sure that it occurs in this county. So I'm not happy with some of the things that the state has done. I understand the thinking and the reasoning behind it, though. And it's incumbent upon us to do our pushing back while still doing everything that we can to serve that population. And I think that we do a better job than the state. I totally understand that and, and um, see where you're going with that. Um, my main concern is if the state is going to do that, then they better give the counties the funds to do what they're saying they aren't going to do. That Yeah, they, they need to help us financially do what we are good at doing locally. You know, you know the players, you know you can get to know them better. Yeah, but... Um, they need to put the money where their where their pro- projects are, or their thoughts are. So, uh, you're listening to KZUX and Z. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is TKO. My guest this morning is Mendocino County Sheriff Matt Kendall. And Matt, I'm going to open up the phone lines. I'm going to give out the phone numbers because I want the listeners to get access to you. Uh, that would be seven zero seven. Eight nine five two four four eight. If you'd like to have a quick conversation um, with our sheriff of Mendocino County, you can get access right now. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four 
8. So we've been talking about the fun stuff that's been getting done, about the, some of the challenges you're going to have. What's coming up? What's on your plate for the next year, let's say? you got four years in office, but uh, what exciting projects do you want to see happening? Well, we need to keep working on a lot of the issues that we're seeing with fentanyl and drug abuse right now. And fentanyl is the most frightening thing that, I mean, this is the repeat of the 1970s heroin epidemic on the East Coast. Um, we are seeing overdoses. We're seeing, we're, we're handing out um, the uh, Narcan in the jail on patrol. I can't tell you how many times EMS gets called and they Narcan somebody and it's either the ambulance or fire departments. When we beat them to the call, we're using it. But it's it's absolutely an epidemic, and, and we're going to have to do something about that. But a lot of the legislation has taken all of the teeth out of dealing with it. We used to have the carrot and the stick, and uh, now it's all carrot, and it doesn't appear that these folks want to eat their vegetables. So you're saying that that they go into the drug programs, which throws them back, and they're not they're throwing them back into the streets with a limited time in jail. Is that what you're talking about? The no stick. They're, they aren't even going into the drug programs. If I catch a person with a, a pocket full of fentanyl, that person receives a citation. Uh, they don't go to jail. Um, that is one of those. Wait a minute. Uh, a pocket. Wait a minute. A pocket. A, is, a uh, pocket full of fentanyl, fentanyl pills, and they're going to go back on the street. Isn't there a cutoff absolutely. as to when it's a fentanyl? That's it's all a misdemeanor now. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we, when we can catch them with possession for sale with a gun and things like that, then oftentimes they're held. You know, they just had that, uh, that case down in, I believe it was Stanislaus County. I'm, I'm trying to think of where it occurred where these fellas got caught with, you know, like 150,000 dosage units and right. were released almost immediately. Oh, that's not what I want to hear. That's really not what I want to hear. Yeah, see, I yeah, I didn't realize it was just a misdemeanor for something like that. That's um, that's pretty bad. And you were talking about, too, that you've had a lot of coroner's calls now because of the fentanyl, which, again, you're, you're, the budget for the coroner is under your department totally. So, again, there goes the budgetary issues. But So we've had a lot of deaths from fentanyls, close calls? We've had a lot of overdoses Have we? over the last couple of years. Overdoses have, if it wasn't for, um, I believe we were up 22% overdoses over the last couple of years. If it wasn't for the Narcan, I would say that we would be up 35 to 40% in overdoses. And that's based on the saves that I know of from, from my deputies in custody and on patrol. We would have, we would have bumped that number up to 40% more than what we had prior to 2021. Wow. Yeah, I know they've been doing some really heavy-duty big busts up in Humboldt County on fentanyl tabs up there. I've seen a couple of reports that they've been cleaning a bunch off the street. Hey, folks, if you want to get involved with this conversation, 707-895-2448. I'm talking to the sheriff of Mendocino County, Matt Kendall. This is your opportunity to ask him some questions or list some of your concerns, all that kind of good stuff. We're having a great conversation. Um, so, Matt, you're going to be dealing with more fentanyl on the streets coming up. Um, which is a whole, I don't even know how we approach that. Um, 
But what are the other some of the other projects you're going to do? You've got you're working on the jail expansion. Um, are there any more active projects under the restoration the um, the the garden and the now you got the chicken coop? Are you going to try to expand that project or all or just get more yeah. of the inmates and involved? And in we're also expanding the beekeeping. Oh, are you? We're also expanding the beekeeping. Cool. The bees are doing so well, and one of the things that we want to do now, I had the fellas. They built their own beehives, and right. then we filled up those hives. Um, you know, we used swarms. We did things like that, and now it's to the point where these guys are literally to the, to the point where they need almost no instruction whatsoever. We did some splits, um, and I think that we're going to start supplying. Um, for the 4-H project, chicken and bees, uh, for the high school kids and 4-H kids. Um, and, you know, with the collapse of honeybee hives across the United States, that's something that we need to work on together. And some of the things we're also looking at are some... Uh-oh. Matt just popped off my computer. I'm hoping he will call back in. Now nope, he's going to his iPad. Let me get him. You back there? Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm in Boonville. For some reason, everything just cut out. Yeah, I don't know what cut out. You're, it says you're on your iPad. I hope that's where you're at. That's me. That's me. All right, we're going to... Can you hear me? We can hear you. It's kind of just broken up. We'll see if it steadies down. Oh, good old airwaves in Mendocino County and uh, the lines. Yeah, I was good. That's the other thing I wanted to go... Um, what we hadn't gotten into, since nobody seems to be calling in, 707-895-2448. Since we're talking about you got cut off, I got cut off, all that... Um, how are we doing with the emergency services? I had Brent on not too long ago. He still doesn't have a good, he doesn't have a big office space for the um, emergency services. How are we doing? We've had a couple small fires, but how is the whole emergency services outlet working in the county this time? Well, it's actually going pretty well. We went over and looked at a building on the county campus where we're going to be moving uh, emergency services over there. Um, and so sometime in the next, I would say, three weeks to a month, we're going to have uh, the EOC set up uh, closer to the CEO's office. There's a building over there that we've got some room in. And so we're going to be moving that over there. And hopefully I'll be able to do more video arraignment uh, at the jail. Oh, okay, good. So has the... Um Nextel system and the alert system, did it work real well? I saw a lot of people got alerted, and it seemed to be working really well at the last fires we've had. Yeah. It's working pretty well, but people need to remember nothing is perfect in Mendocino County, and it's all due to topography. And so if you're down in a hole like where I live, um, don't expect to get that text message, but listen to your radio. Um, okay. All of these things that we're working in in unison, you know, we're, we're trying to get the biggest portion of it covered, but topography just kills us in this county. As we've said for years, we are geographically challenged. Hey, so we've got a caller. We're going to try to see, make sure the phone lines are working. We're going to see if we can get this caller on the air. Okay, Matt, hang on. Good morning, caller. Let's hopefully think you're on the air. I think I'm on the air. Are you? Are you? Are you on? Yes, we can hear you. Do you have a question or comment for our sheriff? Yeah, I do. Hi, Matt. John Wetzler. Just oh, checking John. in on 
Good. How are you doing? So Good what's up, checking John? In on, ch- checking in on NAFCARE uh, and, the, and the jail. We wanted to find out how that's going and also whether we're going to be able to get a ride along uh, uh, mental health on the coast uh, as far as like somebody like uh, Katie Smolkum. Okay, can you take that on the air? I can. I'll, I'll hang up. Okay, thanks, John. All right, there you go. Did you get that, Matt? So right now we're, we're still, yeah, I can hear Right now we're still trying to recruit a, uh, a licensed therapist for working in the jail. After working on the recruitment right there. Um, still working on trying to get that, that third person for the coast to work up and down the coastline. And Fort Bragg Police Department, no, Fort City of Fort Bragg kind of jumped right on with our plan because we've had so much success with it. And we've reduced transported 5150s. Last I looked, I think that we were at a 40% reduction because we're meeting them before they go into crisis. We're meeting them halfway, and it's and it's being super helpful. Um, as far as a ride-along goes, um, I'll give you a call, John, after the show um, and find out... Uh, what area you'd like to go and take a look at. So this is when you're talking about where you have mental health people that are riding along with the sheriff or showing up with the sheriff when it's a mental health 5150 domestic violence issue, correct? Is that what we're talking about here? In a a lot of things, the sheriff's hands are tied until a person goes into um, absolute crisis where they're a danger to self, danger to others, or gravely disabled. We show up a lot of times and they have not met that criteria yet. And so when we go with behavioral health, um, even though they haven't met that criteria, they're getting them the tools and, and the things that they need to keep from getting there. They're, and so it's that upstream approach. They're de-escalating the situation is what basically yeah. what you're saying. They're helping you as the sheriff without guns and all of that de-escalate a situation that could turn violent and volatile. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, it's that measured response. They don't fall into the 5150 of the Welfare and Institutions Code yet, but because they're getting services prior to, then they don't fall into it. They don't, they don't the, they don't hit that downward spiral to the point that they are in crisis. Yeah. And I mean, it's just always, it's always seemed a logical approach when you have somebody who's you know, with good intentions, showing up with a badge, a uniform, and all the hardware you guys have got to wear, that the stance, just that immediately stance in that position or in that situation, that's, it's hard to de-escalate when you walk in with that, you know, approach. And that's what, that's what you need as a, as a a deputy. That's where you go. But it doesn't help de-escalate that. I can see where you really need the yeah. mental health. So are we getting enough? You're talking about, is it happening on the coast, or is that something you're working towards happening on the coast? Right now, we've got two people inland. We've got a third person that is hired that's being trained. Fort Bragg, uh, the city of Fort Bragg is starting up down that same road with us, but we've got to get one that is that just works the coast. Uh, because you think about the topography on the coast, we've got roughly 100 miles of coastline. Yeah. Yeah, that is a long drive. Well, you th- let's see. This is this project's only been going on. Am I correct? Maybe a year, year and a half. Yeah, about a year. The, about a year. So those that percentage of decrease in the, the numbers you threw out just prior about how you see the how it's de-escalated the number of people you have to actually take in. That's very impressive for one year. Can I just say that? That's really uh, impressive, Matt. 
It is, but it will get a whole lot better when we get that next person over on the coast. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's only going to get better, but I mean, just the t- statistics of that approach within our, you know, system is is very good and very effective. I hope people really understand that we're moving in a really good direction here. Um, it's probably saving everybody a lot of headache. The sheriff plus mental health and all of that. Very impressive. Very impressive, Matt. I know that's very good. All right, folks, 895-2448. The phones are quiet. I thought everybody would want to get a talk to the new sheriff, or not new, but newly elected sheriff, but we'll see how, how that goes. 707-895-2448 um, to talk to the sheriff, Matt Kendall. So that's happening. That's going to be increasing. Um, what other, so we, I'm still trying to get back to what are some other things that are going on in the county. Um, one of the things we haven't talked about and I haven't brought up is cannabis enforcement. Um, I saw there was a big presence of some rate, I don't know who the agencies were, um, outside, I think it was outside of Willits or somewhere, one of the ridges yesterday. Um, what's going on with illegal grows in the county and where are we that, considering it's July and it's still an issue? What's happening well, we are in full swing of cannabis enforcement. Um, we hit um, a ridge in between the Cobolo Road and, and Willits. We found uh, about 22,000 plants. The ridge had been bulldozed off. I believe we got 20 generators off of it. And the, the concerning portion for me was the hillside looked like spaghetti lines uh, with with electric lines they were running pumps they were running lights there were roughly 20 generators and people had been driving over them with four wheelers and equipment in a brush pile this stuff is not safe um it was absolutely illegal these folks were not you know even trying to get into the program we had roughly 25 subjects run from us in the brush in areas where it was absolutely not safe to chase um and then we hit uh, some places in Kovalo yesterday, and I believe that we picked up another seven or 8,000 plants there. Um, we're continuing to work on this. We are seeing fewer grow sites, which is good, but the grow sites that we are seeing are actually larger than what they were in past years. And that makes it better for us. I know it doesn't sound better, but it actually makes it better. Because if you're going to combat this, and let's say that your goal is to take a half a million plants, right? Um, It is much easier to hit 10 locations with 50,000 plants than 50 locations with 10,000 plants. The preparation, the work that goes into it, we have got to work more efficiently because when I have, you know, two people in my marijuana unit and we've got seven to eight to 10,000 grows, how do we successfully deal with that? But the numbers are dropping. Are you getting help from the state, Comet, Camp, all that stuff that used to be happening? Is that still happening? We're getting a little bit of help from the state, but the Division of Cannabis Control, um, they recently upped their numbers. They've given me a promise that they will assist us on this because, honestly, this is yet another thing where the state puts through legislation with no framework to make it successful. And there are a lot of pieces of legislation that they put in that I agree with. I do. But you have to put the you have to put the framework in to make it successful, or it simply won't work. 
I hate to ask this. Who's who's responsible for the cleanup? I would I would hope that it was the property owner, but if this is kind of a big operation, they're probably going to, I don't know if they even find the property owner. Um, what happens on the cleanup on that? Does that turn over to another agency? It turns over to code enforcement code and enforcement. Uh, building and planning. Yeah, and, and environmental health. And, you know, I'm glad that we dealt with that one because I could see it, we, we, we dealt with another one up in Cobolo, very similar, if not the same, that, you know, wires were haphazardly thrown together running through dry grass and brush. We can't afford to have these fires. Oh, yeah. That's just a fire waiting to happen. Just waiting to happen. So, uh, And the other thing is, if the state wants to support good legal licensed industry, we've got to deal with the illegals because if we don't then those the the folks who are jumping through the hoops and doing the right thing they're destined for failure from the beginning yeah i think that's maybe some of the problem why the program hasn't really made it being legal is because they aren't addressing the illegal like look at twenty thousand plants illegal all those generators and stuff i mean to be honest with you, I don't know how they're making enough money to do that with the drop bottom having dropped out of the you know cannabis market. But still, um, it seems like we still have a lot of outlaw growers in the area that needed to be addressed. Um, so when you find these big operations, do you bring the state in or do you just try to manage it on your own? You can't do it on. We can't do it on our own. We have to bring the state and the feds in, right? Oh yeah, and we bring in state fish and wildlife. Um, Cal Cannabis, um, the Division of Cannabis Control, we bring those guys with us. Um, and But honestly, personnel, it, <clears throat> it's so hard to come by right now. We've got the old, what used to be the water enforcement, the watershed enforcement team, the wet team through fish and game. Well, I believe that there's four or five guys for eight or nine counties. And wow. so you think about the size of Northern California counties, my goodness, it's just amazing. And so we've got to work with them. But, you know, I formed that coalition with four other Northern California sheriffs. And we're going to get a lot of traction working together. And we've got to make these partnerships right now. We've got to work together. So does that mean without each other, we don't have enough. So that means if you've got this partnership going with the different counties, I'd imagine it's the ones around us, Lake, Humboldt, don't, those kind of ones. Will you guys help each other on going in and ridding some of these big uh, operations? Is yes, that, is that the coordinating, have, so they'll come down and help us, we'll go up and help them, and, and kind of yes. combine forces on enforcement? Yep, we had Lake County deputies with us yesterday because we entered into that coalition, and it's myself, it's Brian Martin from Lake County, Billy Hansel from hum- Humboldt County, um, there's uh, Tim Saxon from Trinity County, and Corey Honey from Butte County. So the five of us have made this agreement to work together. We find, uh, formed a 501c3 um, and it's helping us to get resources and whatnot to work together to combat these things that are, you know, if, if it wasn't for that, we never would have been able to deal with that site yesterday because I don't have enough people to take on, you know, 30 to 40 uh, guys who are committing crimes. Did you guys, did you know there was that many um, people on the site when you went in? Yeah, based Pretty on much. surveillance over. Yeah pretty much a year um, we knew that there were going to be somewhere between 25 and 40 workers wow so were there arrests made in that case then no everybody ran straight downhill they had their paths all set and uh 
I mean, it was they had their they had their escape routes all laid out. Basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah, okay. Wow, that's a big raid. That's getting up there. See, that's getting up to the numbers when they used to do 35, 30, 20k of plants in the national forest. But that was just row cropped. Yeah. You, you didn't have all these generators and all the all this electrical stuff going on. That's yeah. That's another big casualty of yeah. That's another big 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 expense to to clean up and it seems much more um fire hazard so huh oh crazy all right we've got one last call i'm going to sneak in before we get in close to the top of the hour so let me do that matt hang on good morning caller you're on the air with the sheriff and myself good morning it's gizmo and i just wanted to call in and thank the sheriff for putting in front of us this circle of issues and really paying attention to the fire deal. Like you said, we cannot afford another catastrophic event here. My quick question for him, I'm not sure if there's enough time to answer. Have there been anyone prosecuted under the RICO Act um, uh, with the organized crime issues uh, uh, with any of the grows over the past couple of years? And if so, has any of that money that may be paid as fines, does it get returned? Does any of the percentage get returned to our counties to building and planning enforcement? Or do we have to continue to write grants and prove to the state and the feds that we need the money to um, to keep this going? Good question. I'm going to have you take it off the air. Great. That was good questions, Matt. Okay. What about that? So we recently worked with the feds, um, with the uh, FBI and the DEA out of the state of Texas um, on a case. Um, that case is still open. I can't go too much into that. Um, but it, it had a lot of fingers into our county. And that is a RICO case. But you got to remember, the federal government prosecutes RICO, not state government. And But we do get funding because of DAG, that the DAG orders, when, when the feds seize, the county that they seize out of, excuse me, gets a big bite of that if we worked with them, and we have been working with them on in this case in particular. And so I imagine that we'll see some asset forfeiture come out of that. And does that go into the asset forfeiture fund, or does that go into the general fund, or hopefully it would go into your fund? Do it goes know? into my asset forfeiture okay. fund. Okay, great. And I can use it to combat illegal drugs. I can use it to get equipment for, you know, if we had to saddle the county with buying vehicles for comet buying chippers and things like that that would that that would be really hard on the county yeah you know we haven't haven't talked about asset forfeiture for years ever since it went legal do we still have a fairly large do is that something where we have money coming in occasionally it used to be a lot more occasionally but there's not much of it not like Um, it used to be Not like it used to be. And one of the things that we always do is we try to support our PIO partners like KZYX, KYBU, KGUA, because when we have fires and whatnot, you guys are on the air with us immediately getting that information out. And you're hitting places that Nixle and cell service won't work. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. So when uh, we we use some of it for that, we do some anti-drug messaging. And then if if we have equipment needs and things like that, of course, we spend it on that. 
So when the when you when you confiscated so you confiscated all those generators and all the hardware that was up at this site the other day. Now that does that when that gets sold or turned over, does that money go into the asset forfeiture? Yes. Oh, and okay. We sell it through. Uh, we we provide it to this company called PropertyRoom.com, and then they sell it. And you know, it's basically a clearinghouse. Yeah, it's kind of an auctiony thing. Yeah, it's an yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, auction. Thing. Yeah. So there's some money that comes back, but it's nothing compared to the damage that they've done by bulldozing a hillside and all of that. I mean, it, it's something, but it's not going to pay the bills and make it happy. All right, well, we're getting ready to wrap up, Matt. Any last comments and uh, what's going on? What's your last wrap-up for us today? Um, just wanted to throw a little shout-out to Senator McGuire, who was able to secure funding for myself and Trinity and Humboldt County. A lot of the overtime and whatnot that we spent yesterday is based on um, that $600,000 that Senator McGuire got for us. Great. And so a lot of these allied agencies that came over to help us, um, they showed up because they know that uh, they're not going to be on the hook. We're going to be able to pay uh, for their overtime and their per diem and whatnot. Great. And, uh, you know, that was uh, an, an excellent thing that Senator McGuire did for Mendocino, Humboldt, and Trinity Counties. All right. Hey, well, we got to get out of here. Matt Kendall, thank you so much for showing up today to do this. Um, congratulations on winning your election. And I look forward to having you on the air and talk about all the incredible things you're doing over there. I appreciate it, Karen. You guys all take good care. All right. Thanks a lot. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.